hello everyone welcome to episode five i think uh of the no score review show uh i am your host nick today we are reviewing uh hbo's house of the dragon uh the prequel show to game of thrones george R. R. martin's game of thrones and i am joined by my guest matt hello matt hello Hello, he is Nick. Here in Hello, all of listeners. His webcam goodness. Today. It's working. I don't know. I didn't do anything different this time, but clearly it's working. So it's clearly working, and it's uh, it's it's good to actually see you and not have to just picture you in my in my mind. Yeah. While no chatting. more random photos to be used <laughs> instead. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So yeah, let's uh, just jump right into our general thoughts, I guess, of House of the Dragon. Uh, do you want to kick things off, Matt? Uh, all right. I think just to start, I I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> what can I yeah. say? I I didn't go into it with many expectations, as I'm sure a lot of people uh, did the same. Just after what we were left with at the end of Game of Thrones, um, there wasn't really much hype going uh, around it. I mean, the trailers were dropped quite a while in advance, but they, you know, they didn't really hit a lot of traction online. Totally. But uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by the pilot, and it made me, you know, invested enough to stick around through the next couple episodes, which I didn't enjoy as much. But then I, I found throughout the the season it really picked up as time went on. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do have some thoughts about the ending, which we will uh, yeah, we'll get around to now. at the end. But at, at the end of the day, I liked it. I think it was a very good first season, and cool. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. What what a comeback for the like Game of Thrones like franchise, I guess you could call it, right? Because uh, like. Season eight was subpar, to say the least, to be generous. Yeah. Um, I think it's safe to say the fan base was outraged <laughs> with how they handled things. Um, just, on a myriad of fronts. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a, little. Just a teeny um, bit. So, yeah, it's uh, a, a very strong start and like a stronger comeback, I would say, if nothing else. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I think I a lot of people exact same boat with fail. you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I uh, I was like, why is this being made? Like, do we? How are we gonna keep like beating this dead horse after what we just witnessed? But uh, I I'm happy to be wrong. I very much enjoyed this season of uh, of House of the Dragon. It was like fantastic characters, intriguing plot lines that are i mean it wasn't there wasn't like a ton of complexity to like the story it was pretty straightforward for the most part and it would we just dealt yeah. with characters i think more so um so yeah i guess we've kind of covered expectations right we we weren't really um like expecting much uh but we were kind of blown away with what we got. yeah i um, i think that was a a good assessment what uh, what were some of your highlights and lowlights for the show? Um, I think f- as for highlights, definitely the uh, the C section scene stands out because yeah. 
not not that I was like, oh yeah, I loved watching that. That was fun. Oh yeah, screw that but, one. But it was like, damn, that's that's one way to start off your show, right? Totally. Like you you Absolutely. set the tone, and they really surprised people because from you know the trailers and the promotional material and everything that you see, you see the mother, um, in it, like mm, in the the photo probably. when you're one like. HBO Max or Crave or whatever, she's standing there in the promo image. So you're like, oh, yeah. this is going to be a, a major player. And then boom, fucking dies first episode. And yeah. You're like, okay, all right. Oh. That's interesting. Um, and then uh, as far as other highlights, definitely seeing Viserys walk into the, you know, the, the throne, throne room in episode yeah. eight. That was, oh. And just the, the work that the makeup team did on him oh, and man. his performance, the way that his character transforms throughout the season is such a joy to watch because in the beginning you kind of like, it sets you up to kind of be like, Oh, who's this fucking guy? Like, Oh, he's yeah. just sort of like this wishy-washy, whatever kind of King. But then you really start to feel for him. And especially when it gets to those later few episodes, you really, you know, you're feeling the hurt along with the rest of the, the family and everybody that's there because you've totally. you've come to like this guy over the course of the season and he's just doing the best he can but you know the cards are stacked against him and he's kind of the only person at that point that was kind of holding the realm together and then as we saw with his death immediately yeah just chaos totally chaos went um, up. yeah at the end of the first episode i almost was more in the camp of like disliking him and thinking like he would be the bad guy or whatever or one yeah. of them because like like with the judgment call in the in the birth it's like uh he just made a bad call it wasn't necessarily he had any sort of uh yeah there wasn't malice he didn't want yeah. his wife to die obviously yeah, he like he wanted them both to with a tough decision right um so yeah it was it was a welcome surprise to see how how much we ended up feeling for him and how like heart wrenching that throne room scene was when he oh. like bursts in. It's like, and damn. I even heard that um, the part when he drops the crown and then Damon walks over and picks it up. Allegedly that was unscripted Ooh, and it was just true. something Big that Matt true. Smith decided to, to go in. And I think that was a, a fantastic touch for both of their characters. Totally. Yeah. That was such a great moment. Um, those those are kind of your uh, big highlights. What, those what are my are those your, are my big highlights. Um, what are some big lowlights? Yeah. <laughs> I do have a few. Okay. Um, also, I just want to add in one more quick highlight. Okay. Uh, sure. I thought the introduction of the crab feeder in episode two with that yeah. opening um, scene of you know shit going down on the beach, and then the closing scene of that episode when they do the reveal. And uh, it's the, the beautiful shots out on the beach and then the slow reveal of the crab feeder's mask. I thought that was awesome and it was a great character reveal and incredible cinematography. Some of the best shots, I think, of the whole season were in that episode. Totally. But then leading up to my one of my biggest lowlights, I thought was the battle in the Stepstones. Okay. I was not a big fan. Um Interesting. And it was more for what I was worried about in the future, because in the first like three episodes, there's a lot of like 
battles and gore and and stuff going down. So I was thinking like, oh man, if we're going all out of the gate with all this stuff in the first three episodes, like where do you go from here? Like what are we building up to? Right. At at this point, there's no real connection to the characters. You're kind of figuring out who these people are. And at this point, you kind of don't like Damon because he's sort of being framed as the antagonist in the first yeah. few episodes. And so by the time, you know, you get to the stepstones and he's in this big battle, you're like, okay. And the time right. jump as well added into it was like the first time that happens as well, sort of throws the audience for a loop. As mm-hmm. time goes on, you sort of get used to it. But I just thought that that was you know, playing some of their cards a little bit too early. And then I, as the season went on, there wasn't really anything spectacle-wise that I think topped it. So that sort of proved my fear correct in a way where I was expecting the season to end on a big thing. And well, in a way, it kind of did end in a big thing with the dragon chase. Um, Mm -hmm. That is also one of my second lowlights. Really? I did not like... I thought it looked really not good. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just... I thought that, for one, it has never looked good when they've tried to have dragon riding in a close-up okay you know because just matching the the live action characters to the cg dragons especially with so much movement going on the motion blur just feels off because it's not perfectly matched together and then when you add in all of this fake cg rain that it's just like it's just what i'm like what's going on i can't see anything it already looks bad but it's looking worse with this fake storm that you've got in the background and it was just like, I was like, that's how we're going to end the season. Like, that's the big thing is just watching these people fly through the dark in the rain. And I, yeah, I just, I was kind of let down underwhelming by that. For you. It was underwhelming as a, as a finale. That would have been a decent, like, penultimate thing to happen right. in episode nine, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe even have something that happened at the beginning of the episode. But yeah. having that be the, the ending, especially compared to some of the big hits that had come in the previous two episodes, uh, like we talked about Viserys' death, mm-hmm. um, and even um, when Rainey's breaks through the sept yeah. with her well, dragon. Well, I was just about to say, like, I actually think comparing the two, the last two episodes, I think the second last episode was a little more intriguing, you know? Yeah. Because it was, like the finale almost just felt like a supplementary to to episode eight, right. Or episode nine, I guess. Um, and it, it, it felt like we should have got at least one more after that. And then it like builds up again. Right. And there's this big climactic event or whatever. Yeah. That's but, very interesting. Oh well. You didn't like, so I, I watched the finale twice cause I was ca- catching up, uh, the last two episodes with my girlfriend, she hadn't watched them yet. Um, and I, having seen it twice, I'm, I'm still like, I still enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> like, I think, I think the, the storm helped what like lack of CGI uh, was there. I wasn't too, I think, I think the emotional stakes too uh, did a lot for me. Um like keeping me distracted, I guess you could say. Like I was fair. more invested in the the stakes of what this was actually like meaning 
rather than uh, focusing too much on what uh, what it actually looked like. But what I what was there, I really enjoyed. Like when they break through the clouds, I thought that was gorgeous. Oh, I thought that part was great. Okay, okay I liked. There was some parts of the sequence some that parts. I enjoyed, but I think it's just a nitpicky thing for me. Um, right. And I've had it as a problem with you know everything game of thrones so far is that for me the dragon riding stuff just doesn't feel like it's quite there yet to to justify the amount of use that it gets but Mm -hmm. i do understand at the same time that in order to improve they need to do it more often so you know it it, give and take um i did think that when uh what's his name eye patch kid amen when he was is it amend is there a d at the end Okay, so Aemond, when he claimed Lena's dragon, mm-hmm. uh, is that Rhaegar? Is I think it's Rhaegar, it yeah. I thought that scene was great. And that okay. when he was like climbing the dragon, I thought that was the best thing that they had done so far with the dragons. Uh, but yeah. Even, even the riding, like once he was actually on Rhaegar? I think so. At least it didn't stand out to me as much. But I... Um, I also just don't remember it that well, but maybe I was just like, Oh, this is cool. So for me, it was kind of the rule of cool where, Oh, this thing's awesome. So I'll kind of excuse it. Whereas I didn't really have that kind of wow feeling when they were going through the, the clouds. Cause that's just, mm-hmm. like I said, it's, it's a bit of a pet peeve for me when they try and hide their bad CG with more bad CG. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's nope. just, you know, I see it too often and sometimes I think it ruins the shot. Yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, it can take you out of it, right? Like whatever emotional um, weight they've been building towards can just be completely like undercut by like, what am I even looking at? Right. Yeah. That's sort of what, because I, I also just couldn't see shit as well. I'm yeah. like, what is going on right now? And it was yeah. also late and I was a little tired. So you yeah, know, that's <laughs> well, also well, a factor, of course. I, of course. Uh, I would say to kind of go on the other side of it in terms of that dragon chase scene. The way it was shot, I actually enjoyed from a standpoint of it feeling very jarring and uh, claustrophobic. Like when they were up close and getting like pummeled with rain, right? It was like it was very anxiety inducing, which I think kind of helped with that scene. That's fair. I can definitely see that. Um, Yeah, some of my uh, highlights... Like I, I'm right there with you on like the Viserys throne room scene. I uh, actually uh, I quite enjoyed the um, episode eight or nine as a whole. I keep doing that. Uh, <laughs> the like direct aftermath of Viserys's death, right, and the um, the tension you can feel all throughout King's Landing of like these people moving in the shadows and them finally enacting their plan that they talked about that table slam scene. Oh, that was good. Uh, that was a when good he kills when Kristen Cole kills the, um, the, the dad from Fleabag as I will <laughs> refer to him as <laughs> the dad from Fleabag. Cause I don't I'm, remember his name right now. So. Yeah. But I'm sure that was also for like a lot of people that watched Fleabag. That was probably a big, like, Oh, big <laughs> moment. <laughs> They're like, Oh no, <laughs> not him. Not, not Bill him. Patterson. Anybody but him. Lord Beesbury, I think his name was. Um, yeah, what else? I really enjoyed uh, the Valerian family. I really enjoyed mm. Corliss. He was one of my favorite characters. Yep. Um, I loved the uh, 
he can keep his tongue scene in the throne room uh, with oh yeah, uh, what's his name, Corliss's brother. Um, that was a fantastic scene as well. R.I.P. Um, again. R.I.P. <laughs> and what else? I'm just looking at the episode list here. There was a there was a lot that went on. I think if I were to try and find a um, low light, it it wasn't like I wasn't a huge fan of the time jumps. I did mm. get used to it as they went on, and I can understand it from a storytelling standpoint of like they had to do that in order to tell the story they wanted yeah. to. And I think like looking back at it, it, it works um, looking overall at the whole thing. Um, it was just a little jarring. Yeah. I think especially the first one as well, because yeah. after the second episode, right when they do that big buildup of the, the crab feeder, and then they're like, oh, now it's two years later. They've yeah. been fighting all this time. You're like, what? I thought that we were just building up to this cool like fight that we were going to have with this guy. And that was going to be like, oh, that's the season. But no, yeah. they do like a little bait and switch with you. And then it yeah, gets resolved very quickly in the next episode. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think I, I'll kind of piggyback off of your uh, gripe with that um, battle as well. Because I would have loved to see Damon and the crab feeder actually fight. Yeah. Right? Instead of them just going into a cave and <laughs> you hear like cartoon fighting sounds. Yeah, basically. Like I get um, what they were going for and they're just trying to just show how badass Damon is by having him yeah. basically steamroll this guy in mm-hmm. a single episode and and sort of build his character up from there. And commit a war crime while doing it. And commit a war crime. He, but he did he makes, uh, cut that dude uh, clean in half. Yeah, That he was did. impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. We didn't see it, but it was. But we saw it. half of it. We did see half of it <laughs> get dragged out. Um, yeah, I don't have that many lowlights, honestly. Like, I was really pleased with this whole show. The... The amount of work, it was just really nice to see uh, the these this level of gray characters across the entire cast. Like yeah. no one was like starkly good, starkly evil, right? Like everyone was kind of a little bit like makes some dodgy calls here and there, right? Yeah, but everybody has like a clear motive and it's not just out of evilness or malice or anything like yeah they're understandable motivations right yeah everybody is sympathetic to a degree totally um do you have any like uh notes on like narrative or the like characters or the actors at all Uh, i think they did a really good job at casting the different actors to age up uh, each other specifically Alicent, I think both of the actresses that played Alicent were like incredible, and mm-hmm. they also carried over a lot of the nuances that the character had. Like yeah. it felt like one person, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas you watch something like Shazam, and you've <laughs> got you know the kid <laughs> Billy, Uh-oh. and then the superhero Shazam, and they're like total opposite personalities and mannerisms and everything and it doesn't feel the same at all Mm -hmm. but they did a really good job at making the character change fluid in that regard at least yeah um i will say i wasn't 
a huge fan of the young Rhaenyra. Oh, really? I mean, like, it. she was fine, but I think when they aged up, I enjoyed the character a lot better, and I thought the performance was a lot stronger. Um, but I think that also just has to do with the material that they had to work with in the, the first few episodes, because when... When Rhaenyra is young, she's basically just like, she's just got to make a bunch of mistakes because that's what the prophecy dictates. And that's sort of like her character motivation is just to mess up a bunch Mm -hmm. and also want to fuck her uncle Mm -hmm. and fuck everybody. She's just like her whole character arc. It's a horny teenager. She's just horny, a horny teenager. And I'm like, this is our protagonist. Okay. (laughs) But then things get a little more interesting when the politics and the marriage and everything comes into it. And then when there's the two sets of children, I thought was, um, you know, good. A little obvious with the the dark hair. Versus... Yeah. yeah. Although, that... like, I don't, I don't really understand how that works if, like, every other Targaryen could marry, like, somebody of another house with different hair color right. and it well, always I turns think, out white i think what what i think the argument is more so is that the strong genes are just really freaking strong i guess stronger so. than targaryen but i don't know but targaryens think, like they all have white hair no matter yeah. who the you know the other parent is mm-hmm. so i don't know maybe it's also just like a father thing if it's yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just thought I know that was, how uh, yeah. Westeros genetics work. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who knows? That there is something to be said though about that, like how, like they maybe kind of tweaked the mechanics of how it works in the world, right, for the sake of the story. Um, I mean, as soon as you go along with it, though, like it, it's super captivating and intriguing, right? Like yeah. That whole um story well and like with um Corliss's brother in the throne room scene right like there's so much tension riding on this like oh they're bastards no they're not don't call them that right yeah um and at least with them as opposed to you know the Lannisters in uh, in Game of Thrones this there's a very like obvious visual reasoning for people to assume that whereas with the Lannisters like you maybe wouldn't like people wouldn't have noticed it as much if Ned or John Allen hadn't figured it out, but it's right. kind of like obvious, especially with um, what's the, the dude's name that Rhaenyra married that ran away. Oh, um, Oh man, he's not going to be on the first page of IMDb. I'm no, I don't dig. remember, but anyway, it's like, well, it's his ob- son. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you know, with these kids having dark hair and being very light skinned, Mm -hmm. everybody's going to think like, okay, these are fucking bastards, like, obviously. So that it makes sense why that accusation would be so obvious to a lot of people. Yeah. And it's a real hard one to defend as well. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, no. No, of course not. Oh, no, no. What would, made not... You, what would make you think such a thing? Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like the other guy that I spend all my time <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, all right. Uh, I guess we could move on to uh, creator's goal. And it, do you think they achieved that goal? Um, I mean, I think so. I think it, at least what I could gain from it is they wanted to, you know, keep one foot in the door of the Game of Thrones world and make it feel like it's a part of the same universe, which they did. Uh, which, you know, obviously aided by the fact that they used a lot of the same sets and yeah. costuming and all that, all the same locations intro to intro, music. same intro song, although I kind of wish they had swapped I it out, also, but it would have, it would have been a big risk if the song was bad. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. at least we got a new animation with this. So, yeah. but that's also part of like the Game of Thrones branding. So to a degree, I like, okay. We get it. It's Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, but they also did a good job at still distancing themselves and making sure that this exists as its own thing. Yeah, absolutely. And they did that by, you know, it, the storyline is a lot more focused as it's just mm -hmm. in the Targaryens. We don't have, you know, characters over in Asos, characters in the north, characters down south, characters in the Midlands, blah, blah, blah. Most of it's happening in King's Landing or with characters that are connected to very closely. So it all feels very localized and mm -hmm. true. That can mean that can be good or bad depending on what your preference is, but it is different from game of Thrones. So it does it in, you know, it maintains its uniqueness in that regard right. that it doesn't, you know, get too expansive because in some of the middle seasons of game of Thrones, there was just so many storylines going on, yeah. At once that you're like the characters that you wanted to see would hardly get any screen time. You might but not this even time, see that episode, right? Yeah, yeah, they might not even be in that episode. But here, for the most part, almost everybody was in on every episode, except yeah. for some storylines, characters would exit but then come back in. Mm -hmm. Like um like uh Rainies and Corliss sort of dipped out for a good chunk of the middle, but then came yeah. back and um and also, they didn't try and just recreate all the archetypes of characters. Like they, they, they weren't like, okay, we need to get ourselves a new Littlefinger. We need to have ourselves mm -hmm. a new Ned. We need to do this. And they weren't trying to like fill in the the same characters like Seth MacFarlane does with every single one of his TV shows. <laughs> We're like, okay, we got the family temple. Here's the funny animal, the yeah. asshole dad, the hot mom, the weird creature. And, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. So everybody was their own person and their own character and they felt, you know, unique. And I think yeah. they brought because something fresh to the table. It, it brought something fresh and unpredictable because we're not just going to see the same arc happen for these characters like we saw right. last show. I was going to say last season, but <laughs> not last season. I will also say to any characters that are close uh, in like archetype still like they their performances like outweigh the fact that they're like closely like because i mean you did bring up there's no little finger but i mean there kind of is yeah like, well he's kind uh, of like a combination of Varys and little finger yeah a little totally. bit yeah and, but like his performance is amazing and he does it so well so it and it's he's a great character to watch yeah no matter and just, like, how much you don't like him 
his characterization is different from both of those people. Although his character sort of serves the same purpose in the, you know, as like the schemer. Right. Yeah. But that's about it. Like he's a very different person. Yeah. And he has different motives. He seems to only label him as the schemer would be like derivative. Yeah. He seems to be very self-motivated, but he also has, you know, some kind of grander goal that we haven't really found out yet. So yeah. Looking forward. He's one of the characters that I'm most intrigued to see what comes of in the future. Go forward. Yeah, me too. There's there's a few other characters too that you don't you still don't know their full motivations, and if they're just really good, like um, uh, the hand of the king. Yeah, uh, he's Otto great. High tower. Like Otto I'm still great. still not sure if he's entirely like uh, made himself believe that he is in service to the kingdom, or if he is. Like he has like that secret ulterior motive of like, no, I just want the high tower house eventually on the throne. Right. Yeah. Oh no. We don't know yet. Um, the, another thing I wanted to uh, bring up, bring up uh, kind of more or going back to highlights and lowlights, uh, the song of ice and fire and the, the dagger. Mm-hmm. I was, <laughs> I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this, but I was, I was again, pleasantly surprised because when they first introduced that, I think it was like what episode one or two or something. It was episode one. It was like the episode very one? end of the episode. Right. Yeah. I was a little nervous. I'm like, Oh no, they're, they're trying to tie it back into game of Thrones, but I think they utilized it and they made it actually pay off and integrate it into the story. Uh, it actually served a purpose rather than just being a throwaway like hey remember remember that terrible season of uh television we made yeah um what what were your thoughts on the, the i mean i i agree with all that you said i think they they did a good job of tying it in and obviously you you see how these are linked stories and right. it's it's the one sort of thread that's really tying them together but i just thought you know the way that they brought it up in the first episode very much was uh like oh hey remember this yeah that's her. we have this prophecy you need yeah. to do this prophecy now you're in charge this right. is the prophecy here we go and it was very just like spell it out and right. not subtle maybe could have been reworked a couple yeah, times like that is something that you didn't need to dump in the first episode like you could have no he could have slowly fed that to his daughter over the course of the first four episodes when she's young. Yeah. Because they don't really mention it again until she's older. Mm-hmm. And then there's all this like meandering time in the f- like episode two and three, maybe even four. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. The middle episodes get kind of jumbled for me. But uh, yeah, the first, those other few episodes after the pilot, I just thought. There was like too much just beaten around the bush and and they could have been progressing the story a little bit more fluidly between the episodes rather than just dumping all of that stuff in the first episode and then sort of just waiting for the wheel to start turning. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, that now going back to uh, creator goal, I think uh, they did really well on... Um, kind of what you were talking about with making it distinct enough, making the show distinct enough and unique enough 
bringing something fresh uh, to the show that was much needed after uh, Game of Thrones. Um, I think they stuck the landing. And I'd say so. Uh, yeah. I do you think you will rewatch it before season two comes up? I know it. I think it's coming mm. out twenty twenty four. Probably not. No. Um, it depends, but I've gotten to the point where I have so many things in my queue that just the the prospect of rewatching stuff at this point, I'm just like, eh. I'll maybe rewatch it in preparation for the last season. Mm-hmm. I'll rewatch everything up to that point, or I'll wait until it's done and then just rewatch that rewatch one more time. There you yeah, go. I will rewatch the whole thing in one go when it is finished. But yeah. I've tried to do that multiple times with Game of Thrones, and I have never gotten past season six when I've tried <laughs> to rewatch it. I just stop after Battle of the Bastards, and I'm like, okay, that's where I mean, it ends. That's, that's John, good... John kills the Night King after this, and yeah. Arya kills Cersei, and everybody lives happily ever after. Yeah, exactly. And Danny gets the Iron Throne. Oh, no, and John kills Danny, of course. Oh, okay. And then John becomes king. Keeping that part? Okay. Yeah, that part was always meant to be. He should have killed Danny before he killed the Night King because he had to, you know, christen the sword with the blood of his wife, as told in the prophecy that they decided to just skip. That they left in the dirt. Yeah, because, you know, they wanted to surprise people instead of make (laughs) logical storytelling decisions. Instead of follow through on their storytelling. You know, we can't get into this, though, because that's a whole other video. That's a whole other video. Yeah. Um. I am interested to see how long this show uh, goes on for. Like, I think it, they said five seasons, right? Did they? I think okay. so. I thought, I mean, it might also be Rings of Power, but like, I remember seeing that for Rings of Power. They were like, that is also true. Five seasons, so um, yeah, maybe it was. Who knows for that as well? Who knows? I don't know how they're going to get five seasons out of this, though. I feel yeah, like this. Well, could and be I was a... just going to say, like, I, I'd be happy with like three seasons. Yeah, I think two more would do it is depending yeah. on how many more time jumps they're going to do. Like, because if we're going to run through Rhaenyra getting to old age. Right. That's I true. don't know. I don't know how old she is when she dies. I have some friends that have read the books mm-hmm. or Fire and Blood, at least. Yeah. And they know everything that's going to go down. I don't. I'm in the dark. So. Hey, I'm right there with you. Who knows, boy? Who knows? Somebody's got to have a, a kid. Whose kid is it going to be at some point to carry on down the line? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Will we stay with Rhaenyra until old age? Will Rhaenyra like, be killed off and we follow the kids? Um, yeah. I don't know what the end point is going to be of this story. I don't know yeah. what the end is. It'll, story, so. Well, I'm, I'm assuming it would be the ultimate demise of House Targaryen, right? It'll, it would be, I guess like because where is danny and well, her this brother is, in the beginning this is 200 years before that so if we do that far then we're gonna go through two more <laughs> we do and, the full 200 years we might go through two maybe three more generations of characters oh, before we God. get to that point and that oh, i think God. would be a little bit that would be a bit much i think that might be a little bit much yeah because then like that means we've got like maybe one season per set of characters oh god I don't it want would to be interesting though, because I guess if they keep having kids and everything, there would always be like an overlap. Yeah. So who knows? I think that could be a really interesting concept if they it were is. to pull that off. Yeah. I know In there's theory. some show, uh, I forget what it's called, but my friend was telling me about it that 
is basically like a it's going to be like a five season show that follows these two sisters throughout their entire lives wow and then it just goes from them being like kids in the first few seasons and then each one is like a a chunk of their life and i think right now they're like 30 years old or something and it's going to go up to when they're 70 and i thought you know that's a really cool way to do a show and to tell a story totally. yeah definitely a unique concept uh it's just a matter of sticking that landing i guess yeah and having consistent acting across all of the yeah. uh the seasons as well yeah i think um the strong uh boys well boy now i guess <laughs> although there's two spoiler alert um uh left a bit to be desired on the acting end. I mean, they haven't had a ton to work with so far. I think the dinner table scene was pretty good, but I think it was definitely it was okay. more, it was, I was more invested in the Targaryens than the other Targaryens, the strong Targaryens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. If they have consistent acting, then that's half the workload really. But I do also understand that if they keep rotating these actors, then it makes them not have to pay them as much money. Because the more that you have an actor returning season after season, their paycheck goes up. But if you keep hiring new people, you can keep the wages (laughs) super low and spend it more on dragon riding. (laughs) Spend it more on half-ass CG. Yes, hopefully maybe three-quarter-ass next season. (laughs) Fingers crossed. We'll get there Um, one day. Cool. All right. Well, to kind of wrap it up then, uh, do you want to give like two to three in total uh, pros and cons for the show? Hmm. Okay. Um, Pros. I think, you know, the cinematography was pretty great across the board, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you compare it to season one of Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones season one was good, but it really didn't come into its own as you know the show that people remember until about halfway through season two and then three and four i think is sort of like the golden age Mm -hmm. so putting season one of this up against season one of game of thrones i think this is a much better starting point um and i think you know we only have further to go Mm -hmm. uh i think the characters are very interesting and they leave a lot of directions and where the show will go. And I think the physical, like the prosthetics that they did and the practical effects, I think were fantastic Mm -hmm. in in the season, which were very heavy in the first few episodes. But um, yeah, I think the, the makeup team for sure is going to walk away with an Emmy this year. Totally, yeah. I, I think there's going to be a few Emmys going to this show mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, uh, I'd be surprised if... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go for it. I was going to go into cons, but you can say um, something about that first. I, I would be surprised if Patty Considine... Is that how you say his last name? Constantine. Cons- Patty Constantine, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't get, at the very least, nominated for an Emmy. Oh, he's going to get a nomination for that... Um, because I think for acting, they do it by episode, right? They'll do a specific uh, um, episode that they're nominated for. Same with writing, I believe, Okay. in the Emmys. 
Yeah, I'm not as familiar with uh, the Emmy process. Yeah, me neither. I don't really watch award shows at all. Well, yeah, exactly. I just like when the things that I want to win, win. If yeah. it's not that, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, your cons now? Uh, my cons was they blew their load a little bit early on all the action and stuff. I think mm-hmm. they should have saved some of that for the end and maybe mm-hmm. started a little bit slower. Um, and then, yeah, the time jumps. Uh, I think some of them could have been done a little bit better because there was also the second one after the whole the throwdown in the in the ballroom during, what was it, the wedding? Yes. Is that what that event was? Yes. When the Kingsguard dude... What's his name yeah, again? Beats his face in. He beats Kristen the dude's Cole. face in, and then there's just, they don't mention it again. It's like, is there no repercussions? Did they question him why he did that? Did he have to stand trial? Like, what was his reasoning that he gave for doing that? And they just never touch on it. And then the next time they're like, "It's been ten years now. Let's forget about that." What bitches? <laughs> um, so I, I just you know they. I feel like they used the time jumps to sort of skip over some storytelling that, and mm-hmm. just like were used as an excuse a little bit. Whereas it felt like some of the storylines at the time of the time jump were not resolved. And then they just forgot about them. Yeah. By the end is like an excuse to make things not wrap up properly. Cause mm-hmm. they're like, ah, whatever. They, we people could spend just time, uh, like getting into the nitty gritty of the repercussions for all these different events that happens in the first few episodes, or we could just time jump a bunch and then get to where we want to go. Yeah. Cause like the whole thing was they wanted to um, blackmail Crispin because of his relationship with the queen. But then when the other guy gets killed, then sort of the bargaining power that Crispin would have had is gone because the dude is dead now. So he could have just outed Crispin for that and nothing would have come of it because the dude's already dead. Right. And they would not be able to prove by trial or anything if he was fucking the the prince or anything (laughs) because his head's gone. His face is mashed in. Yeah. So that, that part bothered me quite a bit. That's, thinking back to the the low moments the Mm -hmm. lack of resolution to that storyline was Mm -hmm. um a very low one and possibly the lowest for me and i know my friend that read the book was also very disappointed in that because apparently that's very different from what happens in the book um interesting and he's like yeah i don't know how they're gonna wrap up and like do that storyline now because apparently how it happened in the book was crispin killed him accidentally in a jousting match in a tournament and it wasn't like a premeditated assault yeah so i don't really know why they felt the need to change it if they weren't even going to follow through on that like on the repercussions of what the change meant right so it's just kind of like a huh yeah maybe use that to have Kristen cole snap and uh then like make him further developed as an antagonist and be on 
uh, Allison's side a bit more, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, that reasoning makes sense, but just the the lack of consequences, I feel like, is too much of a... I can't suspend my disbelief enough to let that right. one slide. That's fair. Uh, what yeah, about you? I think, what are your pros and cons? Thank you so much, Matt, for asking me that question. You're welcome. <laughs> um, it's honestly, it's going to be a lot of piggybacking, I think, honestly. <laughs> uh, I picked I, a little low-hanging fruit, to be fair. My, my kind of cheap shot is a, just a pro is being pleasantly surprised with how this season tur- turned out. Um, I'm really happy that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, all of the characters uh, were like super compelling and the cast uh, really made sure of that. The cast was fantastic across the board, I think. Um, and the leads did like, I guess, I mean, it is kind of an ensemble, but like if you want to narrow it down to like Alicent and Rhaenyra, like those those two actresses are fantastic throughout the whole show across both timelines, time yeah. periods. Um, uh, and I'll agree on the, uh, the uh, weird distribution of action throughout the show. I think it was still compelling to me uh, for the most part, every episode uh, because of all, because of the characters and how, how they were written. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my favorite episodes that was a string in the middle where there was no fighting and no action going on and it was just character development and plot. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is great. Like, we could have done this in the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the standouts in terms of action, like uh, Rhaenys, uh, like um, erupting out of the dragon pit I, I like gasped out, to, out loud. I yeah. was like, oh shit. Um, and the, the battle at the Stepstones, like the sequence sequences were cool, but the execution of some of it was a little lackluster. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> not a, not much more, uh, unique to say, really. I agree with you on most of your points. Really? And I agree with you oh, on most of let's yours. Let's just all agree with each other. Let's we? agree to agree. Let's agree to agree. Uh, so recommendations. Who would you recommend this to if you were to recommend it at all? I'd say, you know, if you liked Game of Thrones, give it a shot. It's not the same, but it's still good. Uh, if you didn't watch Game of Thrones, watch this instead of Game of Thrones. And then mm-hmm. if you like this, watch Game of Thrones afterwards. Yeah. Or if like, you just like Matt, maybe halt right at season six. Yeah, uh, it's all uh, roses and rainbows. Yeah, after, after that, you know, ended at season six, and then anything that you think of, you know, your head cannon will be better. Exactly, it'll be better. Exactly. Um, and if you like good, if you just like good TV, if you like fantasy, if you like spectacle. Mm-hmm. If you like good characters and drama, like it's all there. Morally um, great te- characters and yeah, morally uh, great characters. Lots of tension, uh, lots of well-rounded cast, very well-written female characters. Um, really? 
there is a lot of feminist overtones to the show as well, talking about, you know, the the patriarchy and the commodification of women and how they're all just treated to be married around and, you know, they can't really uh, do their own thing. And it's very modern in a way that they're doing storytelling, um, mm-hmm. relating it to themes that we're talking about today. But yeah. also it is stuff that still would be relevant. And it, there's not just like forcing in um, modern thematic elements into this old story. It's stuff that, you know, like, yeah, obviously they would have, like women wouldn't have just been going along, you know, just doing whatever. And um, yeah, being completely and, complicit and the being whole time. complicit the whole time. Yeah. I, I, that was another thing I was worried about when that, when one of the first trailers dropped and there was that like narration talking about like, oh, a queen will never sit on the Iron Throne, right? Or a woman will never be queen or whatever. That I would, that drew up a little bit of worry in, in it being just a shoehorned in like super flat two dimensional, like, oh, a woman can't be a leader. And then just it never amounts to more than that but i think they definitely integrated it into this the story of this show a lot better um and it had actual actual weight to it among the the several like uh like cast members that or uh characters that were women um so yeah i would also recommend it if you're in into intriguing uh fantasy drama and if you like Game of Thrones, give this a shot as well. It is a welcome surprise, as I have said many a time this past 50 minutes. Very welcome. Very surprise. Um, such welcome. Many surprise. Uh, Matt, you are on Letterboxd, are you not? I am on Letterboxd. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, you can follow me on Letterboxd. If you want to either plug section, if uh, this was not clear (laughs) at all to anybody, if you want to search for my name, it will be Matt Schmidt, or you can just type HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www.letterboxd.com slash wisdom nugget, and you will also find me uh, in the same place there via that string of letters into your search bar fantastic i wrote it down just to be sure okay yeah um wrote it down for the listeners to hear yeah i wrote it down for the listeners to hear uh and then do you have any uh other recommendations at all um check out all quiet on the western front on netflix um yeah i really wish that this got a wider theatrical run and more people could see it in a theater like i did because it was a great experience to see it on a big screen with you know, great audio. And I feel like while it is still a film that is strong enough to stand on its own, uh, from a home viewing experience, it's still just, it's not going to be the same. Um, especially with it being, you know, in a foreign language, there's going to be a lot of people that come into it and do not give it the attention that it would have deserved. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great, great war film maybe the best world war one film or war film in general that i've seen in the 21st century oh my goodness which is high praise i liked it better 
than 1917. I know that might be a hot take for some people. This is the but, quote for the box art. Yeah. Is it will get a physical release for <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Um, but just, yeah, for me, I want to see grit and I want to, I don't want to see heroism and I don't want to see glorification of war. And I think 1917 for my taste was a little bit too fun and too much of a little adventure movie, Mm -hmm. um, for what I want to see in war because war fucking sucks. It is not an adventure. It is not, you go along with your buddy and have fun and do all this cool stuff and you get to be a hero at the end of the day. It is a, you, or at least in this case of World War One, it was a, you go down in the trenches with your friends and you all fucking die. Mm-hmm. And it's not glorious. You're in the mud. It happens so quickly. You don't get to be a hero. It's over in a second. And yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. So go watch it, everybody. Go watch it, but don't watch it with your kids. Um, and there's some pretty... Uh, some pretty brutal moments and some pretty sad moments as well. Good to know. I can't wait to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Have you not seen it? I thought you went to see it. Oh, no, it it didn't. It left theaters before I could go. Plus, it was (sighs) like only playing during the day. So yeah, well, it it played one theater in in Vancouver. And then I think it played only in LA and New York in the US because it was so limited. You are a lucky duck. I'm a lucky few. And I went on like the second night and there was less than 20 people there. Wow. But it seems at least now from the Netflix release, there are a lot of people watching it. And a lot of other people are um, echoing me in saying that it is very good and people are enjoying it. And I'm I'm glad because I was thinking that it was going to go sort of under the radar and people weren't going to give it any recognition. But... People are watching it. Happy to be proven wrong. They're going to be proven wrong. Or I'm going to be proven wrong, I guess. Cool. Uh, and that's it for plugs. Nothing else? No Twitter, social? Uh, nah, I don't really. I don't use Twitter. Um, that's honestly for the best. For probably. You know what? I'm happy that Elon bought it because he's simultaneously destroying Twitter from the inside. And he's also um, just like hemorrhaging his own money. At the same time. So I think in the grand scheme of things, he's doing the world a big favor right now. And speaking of doing the world a big favor, uh, I just finished my God of War Ragnarok Let's Play series on my gaming YouTube channel. That is my plug. And that was the best segue I've ever done. That is great. Uh, Yeah, I completed that. I played all the mainline God of War games. It's all up on my YouTube channel now. We're seven days away from God of War Ragnarok. The hype is real. Uh, So go check that out if you're into gameplay stuff. Um, But if not, then you can follow me on the socials. Uh, It's either no score or no score reviews on pretty much everything. Twitter, Letterboxd, Facebook, Twitch. But I don't stream yet. I'll get there eventually if I ever get the time. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this uh, no score review show. Matt, thank you so much for joining me this uh, fine evening. And thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to see you and hear you this time. Or sorry, other way around. You other way around. Words. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for watching or listening to this episode. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye bye.